few words on a piece of paper. A sudden moment of clarity. A life changed forever. Throughout the ages, people have been challenged, inspired, moved and transformed by the words of the world's divine educators. My name is Sean Hinton, and in this podcast, Moments of Meaning, I talk to people whose lives have been profoundly affected by the sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith, and ask them about the story of how it happened. Today's guest is Darren Dodson. Born in Washington, D.C., Darren lives in Oakland, California, where he works as an investor. Darren, can you read for us your special passage from the Baha'i Writings? The world of humanity is possessed of two wings, the male and the female. So long as these two wings are not equivalent in strength, the bird will not fly. Until womankind reaches the same degree as mankind, until she enjoys the same arena of activity, extraordinary attainment for humanity will not be realized. Humanity cannot wing its way to the heights of real attainment when the two wings become equivalent strength, enjoying the same prerogatives, the flight of man will be exceedingly lofty and extraordinary. Tell me, when did you first come across this and, and why did it impact you? When I first came across it, it was shortly after I became a Baha'i in uh, roughly 2016. And I was reflecting on my life, the fact that I grew up with two sisters, the fact that I was in business school at Stanford and, and walked into a class on sharing the work on work and family and how important that was to be a business leader, understanding that. And the class was almost all, all women. And I thought, how odd that the challenge of this quote is to realize a world in which there's equality between men and women, and that bird and its wing, uh, its equal flying wings are, are broken. My dad is actually a birder, among other things. We would go for walks in the park, and there was a, a bird at the local nature center called Oscar. And Oscar was an owl with a broken wing. And it was one, one of the profound things to see this beautiful and amazing creature that had, been, had to be kept in captivity until it's, it healed its other wing and then uh, returned to a profound station within the, the food chain and, and sort of um, beauty and grace. And so it's so powerful to me because it, is so plain in the simple truth that we can't really be a full society or we can't really have full organizations until we have reached this important balance between the wings of the bird. Is there something about the quote or is there something about the Baha'i approach to this idea that strikes you as different or as revelatory somehow? I think that like so many powerful quotes from Abdu'l-Baha, one of the things that is true of this quote is that it has an image that helps us to guide the sense of what is possible. When I think about just the statement of men and women being equal without the idea of soaring within the bird, I think there's something really profound in having an image that no matter how old you are, 
you can think about when you're playing with toys or when you're running uh, a $85 million organization, like the organization that I've worked on building. But the principle is the same. And I think that this also expands to other areas of the human condition. For example, individually, we all have choices that we can make on a daily basis about how we treat other people whether they're women or men, uh, whether they're black or white, no matter what country they come to. And we have a a call to treat people, particularly women in this passage, equally. And then when we look more broadly at, at society and the work that I do, I look a lot at markets, we can see how prosperity is injured when it's not balanced between men and women. So I, I just think that the part of what I love about this passage, like so many passages that are made plain by Abdul Baha, is you have both the lesson and then you have the accessibility through this wonderful image of a, a bird that is flying in a, in a balanced way and soaring when that balance comes into fruition. So I think there is something very unique in that the the teaching is grounded in imagery. This quote seems to have touched a chord in you. Is there a personal connection to the subject? So I've certainly had personal experiences. I I remember growing up in Washington, D.C. My grandmother would spend a lot of time with me and and oftentimes um, the power of her integrating the schools in Washington DC as a principal was one of the things that would later learn about her um, but was present in her spirit of trying to create important change and bring black and white people together within the community in in Washington DC Strong women leaders are a part of the way that I was raised. My aunt ran our family business for four decades. She also served as the first woman um, and also uh, was a black woman on the board of George Washington University, on the board of trade and the board of our our utility, PEPCO, in the Washington, D.C. area. And she had a, a saying that she always put into action was that, uh, that she would not join a board unless they brought other women and women of color with her in order to balance it out. Because the amount of stress to be the only one without the balance in, inherent within the group was extraordinary. And the fact that people could rely on tokenism was not enough. Uh, It was not enough to have one in a group of 10. It needed to be something closer to 50%. And having a a mother who was uh, the co-founder with my father of a a real estate and insurance business that they have um, built and run for much of their lives, Um, I had models of what that looked like from a very young age of joint leadership of business and and household. So I can remember the dinner table uh, conversations of which occasionally my dad would cook. So when I think about the people that made the profound difference in the communities in which I grew up in, 
a lot of them were female leaders. And to know that they were paid less for working to see and realize the change that would move our world forward, to, to know that they were overlooked and underestimated and that their humanity was diminished by a system of either laws or social rules that prevented them from being fully seen is a, is a really uh, sad thing to discover as you grow older. And yet still they persevered and pushed harder. So imagine what they would do if we honored all of the women in our families and girls that are growing up with the full basket of love and and humanity that they so deserve. It unleashes on the problems of the world an entirely new perspective and skill set necessary to solve the challenges of our time. And right now, we're sort of limping along with a half wing in creating solutions and innovations in society, no matter whether we're teaching children or whether we're, you know, working on biotech or working within, you know, innovation around clean energy we're sort of handicapping ourselves in a way by not including half of humanity by treating them as they should be and rewarding them as such to create the world that we would like to live in. So to me, it is a quote that has resonated my entire life, even though it was 2016 before I I actually became a Baha'i and encountered this powerful and life-resonating quote. Let's hear the quote one more time. The world of humanity is possessed of two wings, the male and the female. So long as these two wings are not equivalent in strength, the bird will not fly. Until womankind reaches the same degree as mankind, until she enjoys the same arena of activity, extraordinary attainment for humanity will not be realized. Humanity cannot wing its way to the heights of real attainment When the two wings become equivalent strength, enjoying the same prerogatives, the flight of man will be exceedingly lofty and extraordinary. How does this passage affect how you think about your work, and especially your latest venture, Illumin Capital? When I start out to launch this investment fund, we started thinking about this quote really early on and the power of making sure that in our investment strategy, we were doing something that balanced the power of men and women in organizations. One of the ways in which we've done that is we look at the the world in which we exist within um, corporations and in finance, which is our area. We see that the bird is very broken. 1.3% of $69 trillion in capital is led by women and people of color-led funds. And that's really, really small. So the bird, uh, you know, in the broader ecosystem is really not doing very well. So the question became is how how do we as a company that's thinking about getting started really seek to change that? One of the ways in which we seek to change that is the uh, construction of our firm itself, which is half women and half men. Another way that we seek to change that is by the investments that we make 
which are roughly half women and half men. With And for those that are not half women and half men yet, we have a roadmap to achieving that um, within their organizations, for example. It's really important when we talk about these issues of gender equity that we also identify that underrepresented women of color face even more, in many cases, prejudice or are pushed back in ways by systems of oppression that really need specific interventions in order to overcome these challenges. So that's one of the things that we also try to do a double click on and go a little deeper into, yes, there are barriers for all women, but when we look at the unique barriers that face women of color, we look at tailored approaches to help the world see that this is something that we need to resolve in the investment ecosystem. As I look at the creation of companies at different parts of my career that I've had input into and leadership of, the image of the bird is always there. And I think it calls uh, the question Uh, around the payment of employees, around the building of the infrastructure of the firm to design in strategies for gender equity from the beginning. So when we look at the firms and various different ways that we've created it or the investment strategies for for me because I'm in the investment business and looking at making sure that we are working towards or establishing gender parity within the organizations we invest into in our company itself is really important. And in fact, the quote does help guide it. And if something's wrong, it's one of those litmus tests that you can look back to. How does our organization answer to the power of this quote to reach the the equity that it calls for? What's the role of men in addressing this issue? Well, I think it's essential. And I think that the work is really to look at all aspects of our lives. We've talked some about the business life of men or leadership. One of the beliefs of our work within creating the companies and investing in the companies that we invest into is that the work for the people that are in power, men, to see the already powerful and additive attributes, skills, and the humanity of women and to proactively act and not just speak to these issues is an incredibly important role that men have to play in this process. So not only to identify that the wings on the side of women have been clipped on the bird, but to proactively work to heal that process. And what that means within organizations is to look at the pay gaps between men and women that have nothing to do with the skills of women and correct those. What it means within looking at investments is going out and finding the female CEOs that are already there, but often overlooked and underestimated because they're out of the networks that many people 
have. So really proactively becoming parts of organizations and building networks in that way and stating that you're interested in investing in them because the dominant feeling when you look at an industry that's 1% of women like asset management, it doesn't automatically seem inviting to someone who's aspiring to go into that industry unless it's proactively and assertively said. So we must speak and act um, as men to change the ocean of bias that pushes women back within the organizations. Many of our organizations now, whether they're public institutions, whether they're academic institutions, whether they're corporate institutions, they all were built during a time when this was not a priority. So we know that organizations produce the outcomes they were created to produce. And what we have to do is look at the systems and processes very carefully and ask ourselves, is the bird flying equitably within these systems and processes of our organization? And at a personal or individual level, what does the work men have to do? The work of men to do is to look at our personal rhythms and uh, relationships and ask ourselves, you know, are they balanced? Do we engage with men and, and women in our communities? And if we see our counterparts that are men sometimes say the things that we hope they would say, but not do the things we would hope them to do to help them and also to check ourselves and realize that if all of our friends are male friends and all of our relationships that are close are, are male relationships, that we lose a perspective on the world if we aren't proactively going out to broaden our relationships and build relationships with the female leaders in our communities. Because the personal and the professional, there's a connection between the two, I guess, is the uh, point that I would make. And when one goes to look for a board member of a company, a lot of times those personal networks and trust built up over years are one of the resources they go to as they're trying to understand who might move into different positions. So to realize that those two spheres are not completely separate and that there is a connection between building the capacity to relate and build with uh, constructively women in our personal lives as well as our professional lives. You're also deeply active in issues around racial equity, another gross imbalance in the world that the Baha'i writings address. How do these two injustices intersect? As I think about this issue, the intersectionality of it is really, really important. The, the Sojourner Truths, the Harriet Tugmans, the fierce and powerful leaders like Tahereh that have shown a mirror to um, toxic male masculinity that have claimed the power of moving societies forward. So I think that the equality of men and women is a really powerful conceptual framework, but there's something really powerful in, in the, the agency of, of women in this process. And I think that one of the big things to watch for within the writing of the wings of this bird is the powerful agency that's 
ever present in society of women that are demanding that these things be true and that their role in creating this new system is absolutely essential. And the support of them in creating that path is something that is sorely and desperately needed within certainly the field of finance, but I think in all of our professional and personal circles as well. When you look at the world around you and you read this passage, how does it make you feel? So I feel angry and inspired. Those are two of the feelings that come up for me. And because Abdu'l-Bahá said this in 1912, and when I look at the progress that has been made relative to what would launch this bird into a powerful flight, I think that we're really far behind in terms of achieving the aspiration. But I also feel inspired because it's something that one could commit one's life to and push for uh, because it's so clear what the outcomes that we are pushing for are. So I love the clarity that this is wrong, this inequity is wrong. In my field, even though it's it's 99% wrong in my field, um, so, you know, there's a lot of work to do. So it shows an area and reveals a weakness in the system that is holding back humanity that can be worked on by movements of people that come together to hold a magnifying glass to focus in on the strategies for changing this. So I love, I love the fact that it's clearly wrong and it points at an issue that needs to be corrected in blinding clarity. But I think this one is hard because it's clear on the surface, but boy, is there a lot beneath it. You know, it just kind of keeps on giving and questioning and, and providing light. I, I think this passage for men and women is a flame in a way uh, because it's so clear. The challenge and the call is quite clear and the actions that are necessary have to happen on a daily basis and in all aspects of our lives. So indeed, it is a, a statement, but it is a consistent challenge to recognize the world that's right in front of us as something that is broken and needs to be fixed. Darren, thank you so much for joining me on Moments of Meaning. The quote chosen by Darren is from a talk given by Abdu'l-Bahá during his travels to North America in 1912 and 1913. In light of its central place in the Baha'i teachings, the principle of the equality of men and women was a theme on which Abdu'l-Bahá spoke frequently to audiences in both the East and the West. In another one of these talks he said, Let it be known once more that until woman and man recognize and realize equality, Social and political progress here or anywhere will not be possible. The question of equality was not, according to Abdu'l-Bahá, simply a matter of righting historical social injustices against women, but rather it was a key factor in wide-ranging societal changes that would give rise to a new civilization. It is worth noting just how groundbreaking it was for Baha'u'llah the prophet founder of the Baha'i Faith, to state unequivocally in 19th century Iran 
that women and men have been and will always be equal in the sight of God. This signaled to the world a decided break with the traditions and customs of the past. But Baha'u'llah did not leave this pronouncement simply as an ideal. He supported it by laws requiring the same standard of education for women as for men and establishing women's rights in society. While considerable strides towards this envisioned equality have already been made, the achievement of full equality between the sexes, along with the elimination of all forms of prejudice, whether racial, religious or gender-related, remain the most pressing prerequisites identified in the Baha'i writings for building a united world. For more about the Baha'i writings, head to baha'i.org. For the podcast notes for this episode, try baha'iteachings.org forward slash moments of meaning. Moments of Meaning is presented by Sean Hinton, sound engineering by Jamie Heath, researched by Nabil Khabipur, and produced by Alex Liz and the team at baha'iteachings.org. <laughs>